Hi, welcome to Awake TV. So today, Jupiter 11-11, Lakiel, and I'm gonna discuss about why toxic relationship is addictive. Enjoy. So today, we're gonna talk about say goodbye to toxic relationship and welcome new love. So about an hour we're gonna talk about this and uh, i hope you guys gonna enjoy about this topic so we all have been probably more or less in a toxic relationship and then a lot of people might be still experiencing being in a toxic relationship and hoping how to get out of it and to welcome more healthy new love. So today we thought this is a great topic to discuss about. So do you have any insight on this topic, Gail? Yeah, I was thinking about this today and as life would have it, that when something is on your mind, something else pops up to add to the conversation happening in your head. <laughs> and one of the things I saw on TikTok that came in my For You page was a scene in the movie with Jack Black. Um, and, and I added to the conversation of how this is a dangerous narrative. And the conversation was in, was in some movie with Kate Winslet. And he's like, why is it that, you know, I always want the wrong person. I'm always attracted to the wrong person or end up something like, you know, he's always giving his heart to the wrong person. And he's in love with somebody who he shouldn't be in love with. And she's like, well, that's easy. It's because, you know, um, you know, they're not good for you, but you're hoping. And then when they don't do something that is in alignment with that hope, you're like, yeah, that's the person. But when they do something that is in alignment, they do something that steps up into your hope, then that kind of rekindles your hope, right? And I, and I immediately said, this is such a dangerous narrative. Because there were so many people in the comments saying, yeah, that's me, yeah, that's me. And the dangerous narrative is we're romanticizing someone. And what the real issue is, is not that you're not recognizing the person is not good for you. It's because you don't feel that way about yourself. So a lot of times we don't realize we're even in a toxic loop until it's too late. Or we end up romanticizing someone because of chemistry, because there is resonance. And that's why the other layer to that is the danger around resonate, resonating. And in our space, people like to use that a lot. You know, I really resonate with that, with that person. Um, but resonance is only agreement. That means there's something in me, there's something I'm saying, there's something Erica's saying, there's something within this conversation. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's me too. Resonance only means me too. I feel that way. I see that way too. And when someone is feeding into your wounds that you are unaware of, of a, even a toxic pattern within yourself, that person is going to feel good. And the reason they feel good is because your brain wants you safe, not necessarily happy. And so if you have an internal pattern of these wounds that have not been healed, that have, they're not, are not being even, you don't have to be completely healed when you meet somebody that's also bullshit. But you're not even self-aware of the toxic loop that you've been allowing yourself to play out for whatever reason. And there is an allowance to it. Once you're, once you're grown up, when you're a child, there is no allowance. But once you, you're over 25, your brain is fully developed, that's when allowance really starts to kick in. And we're not even fully aware of the parts that we play in the toxic relationship by allowing it. And one of the dangerous things that we see is the romanticizing of toxic relationship, of toxic ties. And then we end up creating other narratives to justify it. Well, he doesn't know any better. She doesn't know any better. They really love me. Yes, somebody can be crazy in love with you. My first husband was in love with me and loved me with the passion of a thousand sons until the day he died. But he had these inner wounds and he kept on cutting me on his brokenness. When we got together, I was very young. And so I didn't know then what I know now, 
probably wouldn't have gotten married and I'm an optimist. I probably would have like gotten engaged for a long time to see if we would have fixed it <laughs> because we love someone, we fall in love with them and we're hoping, but we can't build our relationships around hope and looking at people through rose colored glasses. We need to be able to see them for their, their totality and say, okay, you know, there are certain things that are just deal breakers. There are certain things that I'm not going to allow and that comes from how we love ourselves and the standards and values we hold within ourselves and for ourselves. So there's this very dangerous narratives, especially in movies and in music, if you're paying attention. If you start to actually audit the music that you're listening to and the movies that you're watching when it comes to coupling up, how much of that is tied around a toxic romantic relationship? And it's glorified over and over and over and over again. Because we all can understand maybe, you know, being attracted to somebody that's not good for us. And then and earlier today, it was funny because oh, who said that? Um, Jennifer Gray was, um, I forgot who she, she was talking to in the host. And the host was saying, um, you know, in the movie Dirty Dancing, her and Patrick's, you know, that those characters were like, the epitome of a coupling and then she made a good point and she said you know there are some conversations there's some some um chemistry because they were talking about chemistry she said it was some chemistry makes sense only in the sheets but not outside of it <laughs> basically said everybody's romanticizing and i sure did when i was growing up right dirty dancing and then being the epitome of couple or being so romantic and she's like actually no that relationship only made sense sexually only made sense physically it did not make sense outside of the bedroom and so we end up seeing these stories over and over again and we're like oh we we want that because part of our, that we want that passion but what's the point of having passion in the bedroom if outside of it it doesn't work it's really an immature way of looking at relationships and that's not a relationship you're just having yes it's it's, it's a good time and there's connection there but if the connection isn't really happening outside of that, then that also opens the door to having a toxic relationship. We have all these narratives through music and through movies that groom us since we were younger of what a passionate, wild, amazing relationship should be. But when we start to dissect the characters and what's actually going on between them, most of the time they don't end up together forever. So then we have to create an alternative narrative. I guess it doesn't work. I guess that's not meant to be. At least they had love once like that. And they make it seem like anything outside of this crazy, toxic relationship is just settling. And we end up creating all this confusion within ourselves because we end up entertaining things that are not in our highest good. And then when someone comes, or, comes in your life who is secure, who knows how to love, who knows how to connect, who knows how to how to fight fair, you end up destroying it because that's not normal to you. What's normal to you is what you've been seeing, what you've been hearing, what you've been experiencing, which actually is outside the norm. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, as a filmmaker, <laughs> it is like extremely correct the lot of relationship movies in hollywood tend to be toxic could be programming but for the standpoint of story making the story has to have a certain arc so when you choose the relationship between a couple you know both of them are psychologically healthy and having extremely smooth relationship, there is no story. So they tend to make the roller coaster ride kind of relationship for the sake of 90 minutes or 120 minutes to entertain the audience. But that is not based on the reality. It's an entertainment. So it is extremely dangerous to think that is the true love or that is epiphany of like soulmate twin flame relationship because 
someone never had example of healthy love when you you're growing up and then only example you can see might be the tv or might be a movie and then a kids or people subconsciously think oh this must be the example of true love which is not true because usually healthy relationship is mundane that is not boring but people tend to look at something like okay it's not smooth a lot of event happens then people get chemically addicted to the roller coaster ride of having fight kiss and makeup all this kind of like up and down they think that's what love means and part of the reason toxic relationship is glorified or sort of dramatized in a good way because it does have a story arc it does have emotional i guess satisfaction so you you work so hard to achieve something and then when your partner shows some kind of improvement or okay you made up and you seem to reach certain understanding to each other you may think you reached certain milestone and or constantly hoping okay if i try hard little more he or she may change just put up or hang in there a little longer a little longer and that can be extremely not just addictive but it's not a healthy way to find the model of a healthy relationship so when your parents or the friends around you are not having a healthy relationship in your life it might be difficult for someone to find what healthy relationship exactly look like um i personally know a lot of my friends grow up in the healthy household so when i observe my friends they're extremely they're not really seeking any kind of drama in the relationship you know life is almost like okay every day is repetition from yesterday it's not that different from one day to another but finding small enjoyment from mundane everyday life because you do get along and there's nothing wrong about there's no drama in the relationship and a lot of times like some of my friends had the karmic relationship and a lot of times the indication of a karmic relationship is usually having like extremely strong chemistry to each other like physical chemistry and then, then like when time goes by maybe 6 months or a year started having toxic trait of how a person is treating the other partner and having crazy chemistry is not always a great idea i'm not saying everything has to be boring but you can develop the compatibility in bed by getting know with each other and you don't have to have a crazy chemistry because part of the reason why people do have a crazy chemistry in karmic relationships so they're going to end up being in that relationship because they do have a karmic contract so you have to fulfill that lesson so they have to have some kind of bait to get into the relationship because nobody going to get into the karmic relationship knowing you're going to go through a challenging time so um usually when you experience crazy chemistry from the beginning that is the red flag i would say
and uh, it's a good idea to observe uh, self-aware what you're doing and also observe your date or your possible partner is there any trait you can find from this person if this person is treating you in a healthy manner or not healthy manner and uh, another thing maybe i would suggest is if this person is a female friend not a male but female friends do you want to be with this person because if you take the sex out of the equation then you look at the partner as a person and then you know how to choose a great girlfriend so you look at your partner as a girlfriend and do you like how this person is treating you and in the toxic relationship if you have to justify the other person's behavior that is not a healthy relationship yeah you said so many good things today i was a little bit more prepared because you'll say like a one-liner and i'm like oh i want to go back to that and sometimes it's in a row and then i was just like oh i really want to talk about that one piece um but you said a couple things and i'm like yeah that's that's great one of the things that you just said was um the mundane the mundane is um that place where you know there is a lot of repetition there but it doesn't mean that there's not passion um and people sometimes say well it's because they're addicted and you have to go also with personality types right somebody who loves a lot of risk a lot of change um and they also might have some um, issues with commitment right so they're adrenaline junkies um, in archetypes one that needs almost like an open kind of relationship because they need that kind of variety and change and drama is the archetype of an entrepreneur now it doesn't mean that entrepreneurs <laughs> need are um are like this it's just like you know diff different personality types and according to that particular personality breakdown there's one called an entrepreneur but if you think of somebody who um you know, um, I think it's maybe I think Richard Branson is one, right? So he might be married, but he also has a girlfriend and his wife is completely aware of it um, because of that dynamic. And people think that if it's not passionate, if you're not like always having sex, if you're not always like, you know, um, doing something, then it's a boring relationship and you've settled. But the people who are happiest, um, who end up finding that, is one is people who like you said they've witnessed what a healthy relationship looks like and so that has become their standard and that's their internal go-to so it's easier for them to recognize when it's not healthy because they only know the healthy it's like with counterfeit money right at the banks they they train them how to recognize the real thing not to focus on the fake so because they're trained on the real when the fake comes along, they can automatically spot it. So if you've been fortunate enough to witness and be in kind of in that environment of what a healthy dynamic looks like, it's easier for you to be like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to entertain something that is very toxic. The other way is that you end up enjoying and really appreciating the passionate mundane life is when you've been through so much crap that you went through the school of hard knocks. The best way to learn is, is actually not by going it, doing it, going through it yourself. The best way to learn is wisdom. You watch, like through observance, right? How other people live, the choices that they've made and the outcomes and say, well, do I want that or don't I? But we're a hard-headed race. <laughs> Sometimes, many times we're like, we always think we're the exception to the rule. And then we go down the road and we're like, nope. I saw, I saw this and I did it anyway. And so then you learn how to appreciate the passionate mundane because you've been through so much garbage that by the time you figure it out, because you did it the hard way, you know, and you can call it the hard way, you can call it the karmic way, you can, you can label it different things, but it's all the same path where you could have learned the lesson easier if you were open to wisdom and being open to a different way of doing things and allowing the lessons of other people to really be um, your teacher 
or you can do what most people do and learn learn it the hard way yourself <laughs> and then recognize wow you know what i that's why people start saying oh i don't want to be married i you know i'd rather have a partner but not even have the partner live with me because peace is everything and you get to a point where peace is everything and because peace is everything but you haven't learned how to really connect emotionally spiritually relationally that you rather you don't you want a companion but you don't really want a partner because you haven't learned that piece yet and this is just soft skills those are things that you can learn how to do um the other thing that you mentioned see i didn't write the second one down and i'm now i'm gonna have to think about it <laughs> but i wanted for sure to come back to that that mundane passionate thing because it is very passionate my parents um they they have the kind of relationship that was enviable to everyone around us. Now, when I was growing up, there was a lot of toxic relationships. There was a lot of physical abuse, sexual abuse, and we were the um, safe haven for many people. And so many people, the, the, the issues that we had in our family were not because of our family, really. It was really external people bringing in the drama or trying to cause drama and strife between like, you know, my parents and my sister and I, or my mom and I, and it was really external people trying to come in and, and bring in disharmony into our lives because of the envy and jealousy of how my parents loved each other. And my parents' love story is just something like people hear it and they're like, I want that. I remember growing up and hearing all the time how women wished that their husband was like my father. My mom calls him Joe, so funny. But she totally renamed him. His name is Jose, but she doesn't like that name, so she renamed him Joe. <laughs> I asked him about that once. I'm like, why do you let her call you that? It's not even your name. She's like, I don't care what she calls me. <laughs> as long as she calls me hers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so everybody now calls him Joe. They don't even call him Jose. It's kind of funny. <laughs> or his nickname growing up. So... When she first saw my dad, she didn't even see his face. She saw his hands. He was playing dominoes um, with a, in, in a place where there's a family friend and I'm Puerto Rican. And so that's what we do when we get together. It's like, you know, food and drinks and dominoes or <laughs> games and watch the sports, right? So there was a bunch of men. They were playing dominoes. And my mom saw him. She was, I don't know, maybe 16 at the time, which would make him about 24. And she only saw the back of his head. She saw his hands. And she said when she saw his hands, she said, that's the one. That's my husband. <laughs> and she said she was able to tell a lot about a, about a man through his hands. And so, of course, then when she saw him, she found him, you know, incredibly good looking. <laughs> he, was, he was the one everybody wanted. Um, and so, you know, for them two to end up together, my mom went through a lot of stuff as a teenager. They were so perfectly matched because the came from a very heavy wounded background because of so many atrocities that she went through. And my dad has always been that servant leader. We're in very, very protective of his family. And so having seen that beautiful relationship, like that's what I want, you know? So that's what I grew up seeing all the time. And that's what really I endeavored to have. And I didn't, um, it's funny because a lot of times people say they, they marry, women marry their husbands. I ended up marrying the version of my mom to clear that, <laughs> kind of clear that karmic issue. <laughs> um, and so now, you know, it's different. It's different now. But in my first marriage, that's what it was about. So, even if you, even if you do um, grow up in a healthy environment where you're watching what true love looks like and sacrifice, and their relationship, like you said, was is passionately mundane. I mean, every day was pretty much the same. Um, and then my mom, um, I remember every Saturday night, she would make us disappear. <laughs> she would make sure we were somewhere. And then we found out later, my sister and I were in our late teens, we were having a conversation with my mom, is that that was date night. And so my dad worked really hard. My mom worked really hard. She also, like, you know, ran the house, ran the kids, you know, was going to school or a little and also working, you know, very busy uh, professional. And you know, raising us too. And my dad worked really long hours, hard work, physical work too. And so the, she took care of that stuff, but she would arrange family time, you know, on Sundays and stuff. 
she would arrange date night on Saturdays. So it was, it would appear very mundane, but my mom always made sure that she created this time. So that's what I'm used to. Like, I'm used to it being passionately mundane. And then you had, that was like what the weekend was for, right? The weekend was about family and fun and spending time with your beloved and, and your friends and family. And so, you know, when we are addicted to that drama, it is an addiction. I mean, so it takes a while. So if you've been in a toxic relationship or been like, why do I keep entertaining these men? Why do I keep on entertaining these kind of women? The, the denominator baby is you. You are choosing them because there is resonance. There is an agreement there within yourself saying yes to this. And until you choose differently, if you want a different outcome, you have to choose differently. So you have to choose the opposite. The other thing that came to mind when you were talking was that, you know, it, it is different for women. That's what I wanted to say. That was the second thing. Than it is for men. You mentioned that, you know, normally when it, it, it's very hot in the beginning, that's not good for women. And Dr. Gray talks about that and other doctors as well in this space saying that's absolutely correct. Because if you are completely turned on the moment you see him, that's not the one. <laughs> he says it frankly like that. And that's because of the way women attach, which is very different than how men attach. And so for women, for women, it's, it's better for them to have the slow burn where there is an attraction there, but it's an attraction that's built. So that way you're layering it with attraction and chemistry and friendship. And that's how you're, you're building on a better foundation. For men, it's in the opposite direction, right? Of course, they're going to be very physically drawn to you. Um, but for women, the slow burn is better, which is why women who have friend zoned the guys that they were dating later, later on end up marrying them. And they're like, I don't know why I friend zoned him to begin with. And it was because in the beginning, they were used to the drama. They were used to the toxic. And see, when you, when you end up dating the first person <laughs> that is different than what was triggering you, you might find that person boring. You like them, but you might find them boring because they're not triggering all those chemical reactions that make you addicted to the drama, make you addicted to those, that chemical chaos. But you like the person, so you, we can end up friend zoning somebody. And a lot of these women's stories are so similar that really they were learning how to love themselves and they end up meeting this great guy and they just friend zone them. But later on, as they really started to reevaluate themselves and shift their own internal narrative, they kept, they will go back and entertain these men. And then they have this beautiful marriage and family life and children. And they're like, oh my God, he's the sexiest man I've ever seen in my life. So how did he go from being friend zoned and just, you know, attractive, but nice and <laughs> a good friend to being the sexiest man alive was because they had to shift internally and actually had to do some work within to realize, wow, you know what? Being passionately mundane is where it's at. There is passion here. There is friendship. There's connection. You know, for women, we want that emotional connection. We want to feel safe. We want to be seen and heard. And that turns us on so much that eventually that does, you know, really um, translate in the bedroom. And a lot of women, um, it's hard for them to hear that, you know, if he is completely turning you on the moment you see him, the likelihood of him being the one is like almost nothing. I mean, it's like point zero 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 one percent And that's something we have to keep in mind too, that when we are coming out of that lifestyle of being connected or, or making choices that were not in our best interest, the next choice we make is going to feel boring. It's going to feel, might feel off not because it's wrong, it's because it's different. We don't know how to receive that kind of love and attention and affection and, and being honored in the proper way. And it doesn't mean that the next relationship is the one, but sometimes what happens is that as you are healing, you'll be presented opportunities to practice that um, particular thing in order for you to get used to it. It is the same thing as, let's say, when if, and people have fought most, a lot of people have, especially minorities. Um, and I, like I said, I'm Puerto Rican. 
have entered a room where you feel uncomfortable because the people, um, unless you were groomed a certain way, so you walk into a room, you feel uncomfortable, and that's because the people in the room might be what you believe um, are higher caliber than you are. There's just so many more steps in front of you in your niche or in your business or whatever that particular career thing is. It takes a little while for you to get used to the room, for you to get used to being okay being in that room because you're not used to being around those kinds of people, that kind of ambition, that kind of drive, that kind of focus. But the longer you sit in the room and you start to talk to people, the easier it gets. And then that becomes your new norm where that becomes your new expectation. And that is the same way with relationships. You need to surround yourself and feed yourself um, with people and with situations and music and movies that really reflect healthy. And like Erica said earlier, you know, that doesn't really sell because it doesn't look very sexy. <laughs> because we've been groomed to believe that, you know, it's the drama, you know, um, that really sells. Um, and it's the fight that sells, right? Because we, we, everybody loves the underdog. But again, looking at these movies, do they end up together? Most of the time, no. And if they do, it's usually because it's, it's a rom-com, so we knew they were going to end up together, or it was a dramedy, so we knew they were going to end up together. We already know the outcome. We know they're going to end up together. But if it's a straight-up drama, most of the time, the answer is no. Yeah, so... You know, in the movie world, it's a story making. So um, the job is to entertain the audience. So people do have a limited attention span. And in order for them to keep on engaging on the screen, you have to have a lot of up and down in the storyline. That doesn't mean it's going to translate to real life. And it's kind of funny. I did end up marrying to my mom, too. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't work out. I mean, it's kind of like me being my mom's role. So I have to end up being just like my mom, which is not a good idea. And then I chose someone who made me become a lot like my mom. So that didn't work out. But my parents... <laughs> basically did have a good relationship even though my mom was a little too much <laughs> but since she was so much in love with my dad um, I guess uh, her true personality was kind of uh, subdued <laughs> and I do remember like every Saturday my parents went out on date they tag along with me, but choice of restaurant or place they are going to, it's adult place. And then Sunday, it was kids' day. So uh, they took me to amusement park every single Sunday and stuff like that. So um, it is a good idea that I, I wouldn't choose someone like my dad, like 100%. I love my dad, but... Um, I like someone a lot more, uh, maybe less adventurous. <laughs> My dad came from an extremely uh, privileged background. So he, he was not really, um, he was too positive about everything. Like, he, he didn't really know too much about um being a good businessman he ended up being kind of successful but that's not the point like i i don't like that kind of dangerous person that unpredictable according to me that you never know if he's going to be successful or not you know <laughs> it's too much gamble for me but um my parents did have a good relationship, but just because you did have your parents, it doesn't have to be you have to choose a lot like your parents. I, I'm probably not going to choose someone like my dad. Personality-wise, it's not, it's, it's, it's fine. He's very positive and then uh, popular and very cheerful. But, you know, it comes to... To be a man, 
who who you know he can just having life of party which was my dad <laughs> but you know someone who knows how to be the leader of the family and the stuff i i tend to choose someone a lot more conservative but that's me but it is very important to understand that whatever the family background you grow up in you really have to look within deep what you're looking for and then um choose someone how makes you feel you can write like a lot of requirement on the partner but at the end of the day it's how the person makes you feel and that is to me the secret of happy relationship of course um the person has to be somewhat attractive to you because you still have to be physically intimate to the person so you can be with someone that oh you know you can totally find fall in love with his heart to the extent you can but if the person is totally out of your physical type it's kind of impossible you know so it is very important to understand who you are and look deeply within and a lot of times uh, people that's including what i observed when i was having a toxic relationship a lot of times people get into the toxic relationship in order to prove something like prove your worth to the person like if you try to prove something how amazing you are or how whatever you are to him that is a sign of not healthy relationship because if the relationship is healthy and he's totally into you and you're totally into him you don't have to prove anything and uh, you don't have to convince your partner you are this and that as long as both of you are being authentic to each other you will have how to create harmonious relationship to each other and you know all healthy relationship are similar but you can have your own flavor to it yeah it's so interesting because you're talking i'm like oh my gosh we're so similar i just learned so much about you <laughs> probably why we get along so well is because we um, had similar experiences so um, we tend to gel really well a couple things you said that you said it a couple times in talking about how movies only entertainment i think for for people like us who really dissect so many things that we're very um, aware of what we're feeding our soul we can we can say yes or no to things easier and also put things into buckets but and the entertainment that we see through movies and music is actually very hypnotic in nature because this is why even in social feeds right so what is it feeding you and the good book tells us that we will prosper and be in health as our soul which is our mind will and emotion prospers but divine truth is the same inverse we will have destruction also by what we're feeding our soul so when we're in being entertained what happens is that why entertainment is so dangerous in its hypnotic suggestions it's because we are choosing we're coming into an agreement i want to be entertained and in that entertainment we lower our guard we lower our critical thinking we there's a, a a space above your right eye it's about the size of a quarter i call it your firewall and your firewall is almost like your inner karmic it's there to actually protect you and it goes through that filter first before it gets in you but in the form of entertainment all your walls start to come down because you want to be entertained and so in that then you start going into a hypnotic space so people think like oh i can't be hypnotized you are hypnotized all the time all the time you do it by default and so we are created to go into that space in order for us to reprogram ourselves and rewire we have the ability to to do that and so one of the ways that we end up being hypnotized and being reprogrammed is through entertainment you start to see things over and over again 
And the reason it's so sneaky is because it's a seed. You know, so if you plant a seed, it's not going to grow overnight. But if you nurture it, you find, you know, tending to it, putting, you know, water to it, adding some sun, eventually something is going to pop out. So if you're finding that your relationships are toxic, start to do an audit over the music you're hearing, the movies you're watching, the conversation in your social feeds. Because the seeds for that destruction were already there. And without you even realizing it, you have been entertaining it. But the great thing is, is that you can entertain new seed. You can choose to reprogram yourself. You can choose to decide, you know what? That's what I love about like on Facebook, you can snooze somebody. I'm not telling you to cut everybody out. <laughs> but if you're seeing a pattern of someone, of what they share over and over again, and it's really not the kind of life you want to live, snooze them for 30 days. Did you even miss them in your feed? And when they start to pop up back, how do you feel about it then? You know, when, when you're talking about television, what is television? It's telling you a vision. That's why it's called a broadcast. It's a broad and they're casting. It's like a spell. So whether you believe in spells or not, it doesn't matter because words are containers of power. Our brain works and functions on pictures, which is what a movie is, is moving pictures. So in those moving pictures, it is then bringing you into a space of hypnosis because you've come into agreement that you want to be entertained. And then you have to say, oh, this was dumb. I'm never, I would never be like this person. Almost like having a conversation with yourself or, or talking to somebody that you went to the movies with, like why you would never make those choices. Because then you get to be a critical thinker then to kind of be like, okay, if I see this, this is why I don't, I wouldn't want that for myself. Versus a lot of times what happens in the movies is that they don't have those conversations. They see this toxic relationship like, oh my God, I wish somebody would love me. <laughs> the way the guy loved her. And one of the things I saw that I, I've seen quite often in the love space is like, why do women love the villain? And almost every woman says the same thing. Because the hero will sacrifice her for the world and the villain will sacrifice the world for her. And that is what a lot of women want. They want to be loved and accepted and cherished and honored in such a way that they are chosen, that they are protected, that they are provided for, that they get to fall back completely into their feminine energy because they feel safe. So we end up romanticizing the villain, like the bad guy with the heart of gold because she's the one who he loves. <laughs> Yeah, it makes a really good story. But then when we meet the good guy, who's actually a good, great, decent, hardworking, intelligent, attractive guy, and he doesn't have that, you know, quote unquote edge, we might find him boring because we've been convinced through our own agreement and hypnosis through movies and through television, telling us what vision we should have and having this broadcasted to us all the time that it's not going to be as good because he doesn't have this crazy edge because he's, he's not showing you his villain side and you're just going to have mundane sex and it's going to be a boring life, which isn't true at all. Yeah. Um, it, it is a very good idea when you watch movies that one, you have to know it's a fake and two, um, you know, movie is a free experience to go through another life without dying. So go into the experience and after you go through that experience, think, what did I learn from it? Do I really like to go through this experience, right? So once you go through the experience and you learn the lesson, you complete your life. So movie, you can do that without dying, which is like, you can go through it in a good movie, not a piece of crap movie. So um, it's a plus of it. So instead of just watching, you know, there is a, 
always something you can learn from the movie. Like there is a something, well, in a good movie, there is something like a deep theme in the movie. Like even in the relationship movie, like person will overcome whatever their insecurity or whatever the stuff they had within themselves, right? And overcome and become a better person. And then after you watch it, it's not like, wow, it was a great love story, whatever, it's fake. So think about, wow, how can I change my life? You can get inspired by the movie, but put into your situation to see Okay, I watched this movie and this person transformed their life going through this whatever, like challenges or whatever, right? And then what can I do? Or if you happen to watch some toxic relationship movie like, um, you know, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, for example, I think that's a toxic relationship movie. (laughs) And then think about okay um is there any trait let's say why do i get attracted to this type of man and what do i have in common between me and this main female character like why do i put myself into like stand out for this particular guy to come to me right there's a lot of analyzation you can do just by watching movies you know i'm not talking about 50 shades of gray in the well-written movie it's not (laughs) but (laughs) when you happen to watch something really well written you can go through a lot of a lot of um example of life and some of the movie it's written based on the true story or when the writer is a good writer they use their own life experience to uh, put into the paper and it becomes a script and it becomes a movie so it's like priceless experience and this is why i love movie making but in a relationship it's not like necessarily you have to jump into crazy relationship. You know, if you have some kind of urge, you want to go into crazy relationship, but you can go through the movie and then maybe you can choose a lot less crazy in real life. Or if you need some kind of, um, I'm not saying drama, but challenge in the life, you can go through that through your work. It doesn't have to be relationship, right? A lot of times when you go through uncertainty or challenging or I guess a dramatic life in the uh, career, person tend to want to have extremely stable relationship because that's the way you can relax. So you can kind of look through what you're looking for and then you know a relationship doesn't have to be thrill-seeking part of your life yeah you said a couple things that i was like i'm so proud of myself this time i'm using my uh, (laughs) you said you know learning the lesson from the movie you have to die to learn the lesson um, which is what I was talking about earlier, that you can learn through other people's mistakes. And so when you're, yes, going to watch a movie just to be entertained, but also having that critical eye afterwards, like in the afterthought of the movie, why did you like it? What can you learn? Is that really what you want in your life? And you can learn the lesson through somebody else's mistakes so that way you don't have to. When you're asking the right questions, then you can really make it a very dynamic experience for you. I remember one time hearing that, um, a few times actually, that, um, and I don't know if this is true, but it was attributed this way, that the Jews knew how wise you were by the kind of questions that you were asking. And so are you asking some critical questions when you're, after you watch a movie like that? You know, when you're like, oh, I, I really, um, I would love to be loved like that, but then why? What do you have in common? 
is do you really want all that drama in order to have that as a blip in your life? And most of the answer is no. And you mentioned Fifty Shades of Grey and how that's a toxic movie. And I remember, um, actually, um, I've seen that on, on TikTok. And women who are in that kind of arrangement when, they have, when they're submissive and they have a dom, they really hated the movie because they said the way it was arranged was so dangerous. And that's actually not how a healthy sub and dom behave and how they actually construct their contracts and all this other stuff because there's all this, it's very technical. <laughs> you know, you just don't say, oh, I'm going to go into this submissive, I'm going to be, you know, the sub and, and I'm going to have this dom as, as the man in my life and stuff. There's like all these rules, including aftercare. Um, that have to be talked about and adhered to before you engage in that kind of relationship because it, it requires um, such a, and I'm not in that lifestyle. <laughs> you remember like, <laughs> you know a lot about it. I'm just very interested in all kinds of things and people tell me stuff and I learn about it. But, <laughs> but there is like so many things involved in order to make that kind of dynamic very, very healthy um, because of the trust that is involved in having that. And so women see that and I remember people saying about that movie, you know, if he was he, if he was a poor man in in a trailer in the middle of nowhere, that would be like a horror movie. <laughs> but because he was gorgeous and a billionaire, it made it okay. <laughs> so again, it's going back to romanticizing the toxic because of the environment, right? So if we cha- if we move him out of that environment, like Erica, you were saying earlier, well, if we remove the sex. From the relationship is this still the kind of person you want to hang out with is this still a person who's worthy of a great friendship is this going to be like a best friend person you know um or is the the sex really the driving force of keeping you guys together because if, if we remove one component that um almost makes the relationship okay or like willing to be sticking around for then what are you left with and if you remove you know, the money and the adventure and um, the prestige um, that that guy had in Fifty Shades of Grey, you know, would that relationship be okay? We were like, no. <laughs> That's a lot of red flags. I remember something, it was funny, like one of those memes, they said, you know, um, how, you know, how did he not see the red flags? I'm like, oh, I thought it was a circus. <laughs> you know, because you recognize the red flags, but you end up again romanticizing them. You end up making excuses for them. You're like, God, this ain't so bad. And they're like, well, damn, maybe I was wrong. And one of the dangers of really being in a toxic relationship is because then you're constantly in this chemical chaos. You know, we can be in chemical bliss or chemical chaos, depending on how our thoughts are being released. And it impacts our DNA. We have all this great encoding that we come into this life with. Um, there's so much juiciness and things that we have not tapped into, into our DNA. So when we are in chemical chaos, if you think about your fist being closed, your DNA closes. And so you are now in a diminished capacity for thinking. So you're thinking, why did not I not see those red flags before? It's because in chemical chaos, you are blinded. That's why I say love is blind. It's because there is, when the, your chemicals are out of, um, whack, which is why when we talk about earlier, women having the soul burned, because then they're able to see everything. When you are in this diminished capacity for thinking, your IQ drops 15 points, and now your thinking is your gift. Nobody thinks exactly the way you do. And so you are completely beautiful and wonderfully made that way. But when you're in chemical chaos, now that thinking is diminished. And now you're not seeing everything the way it is. Um, you also can't see your way out of things either. And and part of that is the expression in your DNA. Well, when you go into chemical bliss and you're in love and joy and peace, right? When you think about peace, it sounds mundane, but pe- being in peace is blissful. <laughs> it's blissful. And it actually opens up your DNA. It's almost like a flower. It really is able to fully express itself in the beauty and wonder and power of your perfect design. So when you're in a toxic relationship, it's not just an impacting, you know, you in that moment, but it impacts the ripple effects of who you are. It impacts your purpose, it impacts your destiny. Uh, it, it, this sounds a lot heavier <laughs> than maybe you thought it would, but 
being with somebody who either drives bliss, like real bliss, not just chemical bliss where it's like, you know, happiness and joy are different. Happiness is like an emotion. It just kind of comes and it goes. But joy is sustaining. And if you're with somebody who adds joy to your life and adds peace and fun and you're able to have this beautiful dynamic of expression, then it actually allows you to be the best version of yourself because now everything around you, your environment and the person that you're spending time with is attributing to your perfect expression being opened up and being allowed to kind of be lived out loud and be lived out fully. Where when you are in a toxic relationship, it really diminishes who you're meant to be. And in the moment, we don't see it that way. But that's exactly what happens. I know that we're almost close to the hour. Is there anything else you wanted to share, Erica, along these lines? Yeah. So having toxic relationship is not a bad thing. As long as you learn from it, you overcome from it, and then you make a decision, you will not get into this relationship again this kind of relationship again so you did learn the lesson you grow as a person and then you can finally appreciate and welcome new love which might not be as exciting or as dramatic as your previous relationship but because of you went through the crazy emotional up and down you will truly appreciate the quiet peaceful existence to each other, um, just you know, sitting down and uh, next to each other and watching TV. That's a happy marriage. I don't really think there's nothing wrong with it. You know, you don't have to go through extremely, um, I guess, exciting event and go this place and uh, travel to this land. It doesn't have to be that way. You can do it once in a while. But it's just every day spending time with someone you love and then breathing the same air and eating food together, talking, sleeping next to each other, that is happiness, you know? And having just because you had a toxic relationship doesn't mean you have to put yourself down. You can appreciate, okay, I about experience because without having experience how can you appreciate something totally opposite which is healthy relationship yeah you're hitting some really good nuggets as we're finishing up here about the happy marriage and a lot of people who are happily married for a long time say have said that's actually the secret is you know, these experiences that you have, like you're talking about, like going out and all these things, those are just moments in the timeline of the relationship. But the joy is actually in the mundane. It's exactly what you said. It's people who've been together for a long time, and you can tell that they're happy. They're not faking it. There's, you know, actual smile lines. You know, you do catch them look at, looking at each other with these, like, I adore you eyes still after a long period of time being together. And that is one of the things that all of them have said whenever they're interviewed about what keeps them together. It's like, well, that's just my best friend, you know? I love just like having coffee with them in the morning, doing the groceries, you know? <laughs> it's all these mundane things. And they're like, yeah, all this other stuff that we do is great. And we get, you know, if, if they're successful, they will, the success is, gives them the ability to just enjoy more of what the world has to offer. But, you know, even for those who don't have that kind of success, you know, monetarily, they have it in their relationship. And they're like, I wouldn't give this up for anything. Like, I would give up all my money, everything, all my success to have this. Because this is irreplaceable. And being able to recognize the beauty of being, of having a romantic best friend where you can live your life with. There was another thing. I started to write it now. I didn't, I didn't write it down now that you said. This is what happens. Because I got caught up on what you were saying. And I was so interested. I didn't get to write it down. <laughs> I was like, oh, that was so good. <laughs> but 
but it is a pretty good way of, of ending it, right? Of your romantic best friend, that's what it is. Is romance, yes, but is that person, you know, do they even qualify to potentially be your best friend or one of your best friends? And if you can't, if that's not going to work, it's not going to work. I mean, you guys can be together for a long time, but you're never going to have the kind of satisfaction that you're really craving for because that level of intimacy is not there. It's just not there. And if you want a happy life, you know, there it comes with the friendship part because you have to be a friend to yourself. And Erica's absolutely right, you know. Did, did we learn? You don't want to have to go through the same lesson again <laughs> in order for you to get it. You know, you're you're here, and if you you've heard most of what we have to say, or I'm still here. Thank you for being here. Uh, I don't know how to say your name, and I don't want to mess it up. But Frito, um, and other people have been popping in and out. We appreciate you being here and supporting this this particular conversation. Is that everybody has the opportunity to grow, and really, when you want to be with somebody, that's the point. You want to grow together want to grow together and enjoy the opportunities that this life has to offer you know and be there for each other when things go to crap because that's just life life happens and it happens to everybody time and chance happens to us all and recognizing that that's what I want I want my romantic best friend and if I'm not having that kind of level of intimacy it's just it's not worth me entertaining because it's not in the long run going to be what's best for me or or my purpose or my destiny. I, I tend to be a destiny person, so I look at look at it from that lens. Sometimes people don't think that far off, but you don't have to. You can just, you know, what do you want? You know, everybody leaves ripples. What's the ripple that you want to leave because of the relationship that you're in? You know, do you want to be like my parents who continue to inspire people to want better? to have their standards higher, to value themselves in order for them to have somebody who after almost 50 years, well, 50 years together, still adore one another like they did when they were children, when they were kids, when they were teenagers, when they were young adults. 50 years later, that fire and passion for each other has not diminished, has not been put out. It's still there. You can see it when they're holding hands everywhere and when they look at each other. That's a beautiful legacy. And if, quote unquote, that's all that you get out of this relationship, you get to inspire generations of people. That's your life worth living, you know? And those of you who don't have a good example from your parents, it's okay because you can make your, your own example with your partner, right? You can start your new tradition, new showing what healthy relationship, healthy marriage, healthy couple is from your generation. So you can, you can collect um, example of happy relationship from your friends or, you know, your friends' parents, it doesn't have to be your own parents, right? Just because you don't have that kind of parents, that's not the end of life for you. You just have to be aware. And then after you go through enough self-development, self-healing, you know how to love yourself. So after you know how to love yourself and take care of yourself, you will choose someone who can be your best friend. Like the criteria for me to choose my man is if he is my girlfriend, would I choose him? And, you know, I, I have super high standard for my girlfriend. So <laughs> he, he gotta be really like good human being in order to pass that. And you can take out all equation, money, sex, his uh, success, take that out first. And if that basic is met, he's good enough for me to date, you know? 
not date for one or two times. I'm talk, talking about dating for a long term to see if he qualified to be my boyfriend, that kind of thing. But, you know, every relationship is human relationship. So most importantly, it's important to choose someone who you can respect. You know, without the respect, it is very difficult to continue the relationship. And marriage is how you can cooperate with each other as a team. So you need to have a mutual respect to each other. So if you can respect your, you cannot respect your partner, it's very hard to continue the relationship. So, you know, if you haven't found that kind of person and you happen to be in the toxic relationship, right now, maybe you can start thinking how you can improve your life without this relationship, one step at a time. If you got out of the toxic relationship, you haven't found the person, you are in between time. So how you can use your time useful to develop yourself so you can be ready to be in the relationship. You don't have to be always be in the relationship because that is not healthy. When you are single, this is the best time to cultivate improved version, the best version of yourself so you can get the better version as a partner because your partner is kind of reflection of who you are. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to end it is that if you haven't been able to witness the kind of reality that you want to embody and live in in your relationship, then that means that you've been entrusted with creating it yourself and being the inspiration for others. And that's gonna be the, the beauty of it, even though you're not doing it to be an inspiration for others. But whatever you want, the opportunity is there, the possibility is there. It's only because you haven't been able to witness it um, frequently in your environment doesn't mean that you can't have it. You absolutely can. And you absolutely will. I hope you have enjoyed your time together. Anything else you want to share before we close up there? No, we are fine. Um, so um, every Tuesday, not every Tuesday, sorry, <laughs> second or third Tuesday of month, Raquel and I have, um, we'll talk about relationship or spiritual stuff at Love and Ascension. So thank you so much for spending time with us and we see you guys next time. Thank you, Raquel. Thank you, Erica. I love doing these with you. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please visit Raquel's site on YouTube. And if you guys are seeking for service, I have an Etsy store service and also my private coaching service. So links are in the description box. I see you guys next week. Bye.